Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Liz Loza and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Do you know what satisfied me today, Matt? That's who I'm with today, by the way, Matt Harmon. Hi. Uh, what what satisfied you today, Liz? Watching Ronald Jones fumble his job away, though you know there is no real silver lining in that because it means that Leonard wait, that's Fournette's your guy. To... No, 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 no. He was he was my gift to you, my off season gift to you. Sick! What a great gift. Uh, I'm so <laughs> I'm so satisfied with that gift. <laughs> As you should be. All right. There were a lot of unsatisfying things about week three because there were lots of injuries. More than I can recall off the top of my head. I know that that's a trope, but for real, even heading into this week, I was baffled by all of the inactives. There's a lot to juggle. So we're going to recap today's games, but a reminder that Andy and Scott will be here tomorrow to walk you through pickups, which should be um, plentiful to say the least. All right. We'll start (laughs) with the... Uh, We'll start with the Giants at Bears. Speaking of injuries, one of the biggest of this week came via Saquon Barkley, who left the game early. Early reports say it is a torn ACL, which means Deion Lewis would, in theory, come in relief, though that is obviously not a one-for-one matchup here. Right. Deion Lewis played... I think almost all of the running back snaps once Saquon Barkley went down. Um, But of course, it's worth noting that Wayne Gallman, uh, who's been with the team for several years, was inactive today. Uh, He did play in week one. So we could easily see this being, you know, a split between these two guys as soon as next week. Um, This is just such a bummer for a guy that was, you know, the number two pick in most fantasy drafts uh, obviously got off to a really slow start in week one, but yeah, I mean, this, this is a bummer for the entire um, giants offense. Sterling Shepard also left uh, the field at one point too. And, you know, this is a team that we've, we really, over the last two years, we've constantly said, man, the giants have a pretty decent group of skill position players, pretty mm-hmm. deep at wide receiver, Evan Ingram, when he's healthy, he's good. Uh, and then of course they have Barkley as kind of the centerpiece. And it just looks like Daniel Jones is never going to really get to be playing with all of these guys at the same time. And that's, uh, that's going to be tough to evaluate what they have with this offense yeah, with going forward, a full complement of receivers, but one of the silver linings, and you mentioned Evan Ingram, who is, the oft, I suppose you could say, injured tight end, basically like a receiving a, a, rec- a receiver with a tight end's jersey number. Um, he caught yeah. six for 65. Are you optimistic about his outlook moving forward after this performance? Yeah, you know, I had tight ends for fearless forecast this week, and this is like about exactly what I forecasted him for, because I think at this point he's you know, he's going to be this type of guy. And as long as he's healthy and, you know, he's not on the injury reporter, he's not playing half the snaps or something like that. He's probably going to be one of the top and most, at least most secure tight end options. So yeah, my, my analysis with him is as long as he's healthy, uh, I think I'm playing him. No question. Do you feel the same way about Mitch Trubisky who tank was all about (laughs) during FFL? I mean, he does continue to be moderately functional. He's keeping his job. He's winning. Sure, yes, yes. Two dubs, uh, 190 bleh, passing yards, but two touchdowns and then another two picks. 
I think like beyond Mitch Trubisky, to me, the disappointing part of the Bears showing was Allen Robinson, who, you know, good news, nine targets in back to back weeks, far ahead of any other pass catcher behind him. But three catches for 30 some odd yards this week, especially after the, you know, kerfuffle with the wanting an extension and the social media temper tantrum, not a good look this week for him. Yeah, I mean, the important thing is the volumes there. I'm not like I'm not concerned about Robinson. I mean, it's a little it's actually more disappointing, I think, to me than Anthony Miller, uh, three targets and blanked no catches, nothing there. So, yeah, I mean, we know this passing like it's almost for fantasy heads. It's almost a disappointment that. Trubisky continues to win because <laughs> mm-hmm, the more mm-hmm. that he wins, a great point. the longer he's going to stay in there. And it's not as if they're winning. Cause I mean, I think you could actually give him a good amount of credit for bailing them out, or maybe you give Matt Patricia more credit for bailing them out in week one. Uh, but it's not as if they won today because of Mitch Trubisky. They really, I think won today because there was another mistake prone quarterback on the other side of the field. And obviously they're the giants are missing their best player. So yeah, the longer the Bears continue to win with Trubisky, the longer they're going to keep him in there, and it's just not going to be a great environment for fantasy success. Well, they're, I mean, week three at Atlanta is a great environment for fantasy success. So, you know, don't don't fret Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller truthers because the week, the matchup next week does look to be particularly prime. Last thing about this matchup, though, is David Montgomery, who also left for a couple of series to nurse an injury, but he did return. He managed to rush 16 times for 82 yards, and he caught all three of his targets for another 45 yards and a touchdown. Are you feeling any better about about David Montgomery, or do you still think he's like, you know, an RB 25 to 30, depending on the week, maybe even more than that when you factor in these injuries to an already volatile position? Yeah, I mean, look, if David Montgomery's your RB2, you're probably feeling all right about it right now. You know, like if you drafted him in sort of that fourth to fifth round range mm-hmm. where he was going, you're, you're feeling pretty good and, and not for nothing, too. Like, yeah, the numbers are there today, which is great, of course, but. I think he looks like pretty good. You know, I think he's looking like, yeah, he ran well today. Like you said, played well as a receiver. Um, I think if you drafted Montgomery, you're feeling pretty good about it. Uh, He's probably never going to be the most exciting, most prolific player. But I think at this point, you've got yourself a really nice, solid RB2. All right. I talked about Atlanta, who is the matchup for the Bears next week, but they lost a mind-boggling game. I mean... I I did order some lemon pepper wings at lunch just to show my solidarity for Falcons fans. But we're going to start with Dallas since they are the winner. Just think for for one, one really small moment in time, the Washington football team was alone atop the NFC East standings. Until what, a, what a beautiful couple of couple of moments that was. Moments, right. So Dak Prescott, it didn't look good at, in the beginning. You and I talked about it during our FFL halftime show, but he ended up having a monster game, 450 passing yards, four total touchdowns with three coming on the ground. Do you think Mike McCarthy made up for all of that melted vanilla ice cream that he left on the field? I definitely still have questions about the Dallas offense. No question about about the questions. No question about the questions. But at the same time, like, I think, you know, they just had some bad fumble luck to start this game. I mean, they fumbled four times in the first 11 minutes of the game. That's obviously not good. But at the same time, when it came time to it, they got down to business and they played really well against a bad defense, you know, in the closing moments of the game. So, I think better days could certainly be ahead for the Cowboys offense. Like if they had lost this game and they had never come to life, I'd be feeling like, you know, we got to start sounding some alarm bells here. But the fact that they came together, that was good to see. And I think that a lot of that is due to Dak Prescott having, you know, this is a little bit esoteric, but having command of the offense, being a leader, doing all those things that a franchise franchise quarterback should do. Although I did not anticipate Dalton Schultz leading the Cowboys in targets with 10 and then he catches nine of them for 88 and a tub. I I think we all thought and assumed that with Blake Jarwin out, it would be CeeDee Lamb who would have the biggest boost. Are you taking Schultz seriously from here on out? I mean, is he going to factor inside of your, I don't know, top 15 tight end rankings from this point forward? Yeah, I think, I think he's got the opportunity to do so. I mean, so far through the first two games, kind of, 
Michael Gallup has been the one to get left out in the cold. At least we saw CeeDee Lamb and Amari mm. Cooper both turn in 100-yard games on nine targets. So, I mean, I think this receiver distribution will be this way throughout the the course of the season. Like, it's going to go from this guy to this guy to this guy to this guy. But, like, if Schultz can figure into the mix, then it, you kind of got to rein back some of that optimism yeah. if you had for any of any clarity or any of a boost coming to somebody in the wide receiver room. Uh, Dalton, Sh- Dalton Schultz, for what it's worth, is rostered in just 1% of Yahoo leagues. Um, let's talk about the Falcons now. Matt Ryan did his best to keep up 273 yards and four touchdowns. I have to ask you, though, you know, <sighs> Julio Jones has been frustrating for fantasy managers. I mean, I think some people complain a little bit too much about the action in the red zone, but that narrative is carrying over this year. And when Russell Gage throws him a pass that could have been a (laughs) touchdown and it goes through his fingers, that argument is going to be kicked back up, especially when Calvin Ridley goes 7-10 for 109 and two tubs again. Yeah, uh, Calvin Ridley coming into Sunday Night Football is tied for the NFL lead in receiving yards with Stefan Diggs. So, I mean, yeah, he's balling out. We knew that we knew that Ridley was going to have this type of year. I think the bigger surprise is that it has extended to Russell Gage, who has nine targets yeah. again and catches another touchdown. Uh, Hayden Hurst in this one c- gets eight targets and goes over 70 yards and scores a touchdown. Like this Falcons team, it's one of my least favorite in the NFL because they're just the same damn operation every year. They're not a good team. Their defense is horrible. They're just a tough watch. But for fantasy, it's perfect. Like it, it is that sort of the Jameis Winston thing. Like it's not quite, not quite. It's not quite as miserable as Jameis Winston. It's not like as I, messy I, I, as that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not as messy. But it's just like, man, everybody. You know, Matt Ryan is spraying this thing all over the field, and that's great. Just they're just not a good. They're not because they're not a good team. And and I think the bigger boost for all of these receivers has been that Todd Gurley so far has been a straight zero in the passing game like we it was an excellent point matt i'm really glad you brought that up it's really good it was it was great to see him score in week one average over five yards per carry against the seahawks but so far he has a receiving yard on Mm -hmm. this on the season on two catches so yeah i mean he's been he's been a zero in the past game and there's no like other wide receiver so really so far it's just these top four guys and in most offenses, you're not going to be like, okay, feeling pretty good that there's four guys here competing for targets. And yeah, obviously somebody's going to get left out in the cold every once in a while. And sometimes that's going to be Julio Jones. At some point, I think it could be Calvin Ridley too. It's just, it is what it is. But Ryan is putting up so much yards through the air that I think you feel okay with there being four guys that are startable every week. Yeah. And Gage, by the way, one of the, probably one of the hottest Waiver wire pickups of the week, only 21% rostered thus far. I want to move up to another matchup that you got fired up about. Um, some questions about Josh Allen being hashtag good and for real. Buffalo at Miami, he continues to laugh at your analytics. 417 passing yards, four touchdowns. Stephon Diggs went off for over 150 and a touch. John Brown over 80 and a touch. Everyone's along for the ride. Give me some, I mean, you you were tweeting up a storm about Josh Allen and you wanted to talk about him on FFL. So the stage is yours. I mean, through two games, Josh Allen, 729 yards, six touchdowns, 70% completion rating, nerds. Stefan Diggs, like I said, leads the NFL in receiving yards. John Brown, also 10 catches, 152 yards, two touchdowns on 16 targets. And look. The immediate, the first, the first response, of course, well, they haven't played anybody yet. They played the Dolphins. They play the Jets. They stink. Right. We know that the, the Jets and the Dolphins are not good. And the, the Dolphins had a lot of injuries today. Their prized cornerback, Byron Jones, gets taken out of the mix with an injury, of course. So we get that. But at the same time, this is the same stuff people talked about. With the Ravens last year, Lamar hasn't played anybody. He's dusting up on the Bengals. He's dusting up on the Dolphins. But the football is good, okay? It's not as if they're and it's not as if they're coming out and like Josh Allen's putting up decent numbers against these two bad teams. Good teams and good players go out and they just take bad teams to the woodshed. And that is exactly what has happened the last two weeks with these Bills pass catchers. And it's just I think it's not just the fact that there's good personnel, like the play calling is good. They're continuing to use motion, they're continuing to use play action. I think so far. If you just take your preconceived notions about Josh Allen out of this out of this mix, everything is coming together. Everything looks through the first two weeks like we're getting a very special fantasy environment this year and a potentially very special 
season out of the Buffalo Bills. Like the Bills defense did not play well today. They no, let the no. Dolphin they let the Dolphins back into that game and Josh Allen bailed him out. Like he he obviously he's going to make some memeable throws that are terrible and they're going to go viral whatever, but for the most part on balance he's been very good and his top two receivers where the targets are just kind of funneling right now have made him even better. And he's making them better. Like, let me tell you what, Stefan Diggs doesn't miss Kirk Cousins and his like 0.0 passer rating. Uh, now that he's playing with Josh Allen in Buffalo, I'll tell you that for sure. I think what you talk, when you talk about the play calling, that's an excellent point because there are some uh, offensive coordinators or head coaches that hide their quarterback. And there are others that, adapt to their quarterback strengths and weaknesses. And there is a difference. It's a fine line to skate that difference, but there is a difference. And so far over these two weeks, um, Buffalo's done an excellent job of doing that with, I mean, you get Josh, and we talked about this in the offseason, right? You get Josh Allen, the best ball tracker, and then you go ahead and get him the best route runner. And all of a sudden, look, he's more accurate. You know, it, yeah. it does make sense to the skeptics. Um, I would say week three, is a matchup against the Rams and Aaron Donald is obviously a, a, a tougher matchup than these other teams. So there will be some debatable sample size next week, but for the no time doubt. being, take the numbers and run. Mike Gusecki, woo! Thankfully, he bounced back <laughs> after uh, not doing a whole lot of anything in week one. Eight of 11 targets for 129 yards, one touch. That felt a heck of a lot better. I will say, though, that like, you know, Devontae Parker entered this contest not being fully healthy. He'd been, he was like questionable coming in. And then Tredavious White was on Preston Williams, who struggled a lot in this, in this um, matchup, in this game. Yeah. So I think Gusecki was able to find his groove eventually. Ryan Fitzpatrick also like, talk about some onions. Like he kept his composure and really did the best he could with the situation. And you're right, the Buffalo did let them down. But I also want to talk about, you know, last week we discussed Miles Gaskins as being, you know, we saw the numbers and we saw that he looked really good. Andy and I talked about him on the Thursday slash Friday show. Didn't want to start him in this one because the matchup was seemingly difficult, though he managed 82 total yards. I'm thinking that Gaskins is a pretty nice, again, when you think about the injuries to the running back position, pickup heading into week three. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, and like you said, it's just the fact that the position's very banged up and we're seeing guys come in and out. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, I'd rather have Gaskin at this point than Matt Breida or even Jordan. Like, I don't care that Jordan Howard scored a touchdown. Scored the touchdown, today. He's right. a, he, he, Yeah, like, I, I just... I, I don't care. Five carries, four yards, one touchdown. I I don't care. I don't need I don't need Jordan Howard on my team because I know he's not going to make a difference, you know, at this and point. So it is Gaskins what it is. has the ability to do both things. He is considered undersized, right? But he was really, really sure. productive in college and he's a great pass catcher. So we know that he can be peppered and keep that offense a little less predictable than if one of the other two are on the field. Um, let's also let's speaking of unpredictable backfields. Heading into this week, there were a lot of questions about the L.A. Rams and who was going to do what. Well, I think we might have some unfortunate clarity. Cam Akers has a rib injury that forced him to leave the game. Daryl Henderson then led the backfield in his absence. 12 carries for 81 yards and a touchdown. Malcolm Brown, on the other hand, came back down to earth. 11 carries for 47 yards. I think you were anticipating, to your credit, this letdown from Malcolm Brown. Though I don't think anyone saw that Henderson, who was banged up last week, was going to be the hero that he ended up being in this effort. Yeah, my thoughts on the Rams' backfield has been... I'm I'm listening to Sean McVay. I'm believing what he has told us all offseason, which is that this is going to be a committee backfield. Like, some guy's going to pop this week, another guy's going to pop this week, and, you know, they'll play it by the hot hand. And I don't know what the hell people were doing drafted Cam Akers in round five when the coach is telling you this. Like, they love Malcolm Brown. They they like Daryl Henderson. They just drafted this guy on the day, on day two last year. And yeah, Cam Akers, like, here's the thing. Cam Akers is going to have his time in the sun. Like, just like how Malcolm Brown was the guy in week one. And then Daryl Henderson turns up with a 100 total yard effort today. He, But he only had, I mean, this is the thing, though. He only had one more carry than Malcolm Brown. And it was one big play, two, really. Right, and caught two passes, yeah. which obviously Malcolm Brown didn't show up in the passing game at all, which isn't totally uh, unsurprising. So, like, this is how – I think this is how this backfield is going to go. It's going to be a momentum thing. It's going to be a hot hand thing. And, like, if you've got to rely on one of these backs, I mean, good luck. Because, like, just <laughs> like how – 
you know, Daryl Henderson was a zero in week one. He could be a zero again in week four, five, six, seven. I don't know. Then Cam Akers might be the guy then. And then at that point, Malcolm Brown might still be changed to pace. Or maybe Malcolm Brown comes back in. That's what you're going to have to deal with with this, with this backfield. The, the problem is, you know, I always say this with backfields like this. Yes, it's going to be a tough puzzle to solve. But you got to try to solve it. Because this looks, this offense right now looks like it's going That's to it. be a very good offense. They They are one of... I think one of the cleanest and most uh, impressive units over the first portion of the season here. Well, you mentioned hot hands. I mean, if anyone has one, it's Tyler Higby who managed a hat trick today. And every time I see Tyler Higby score a touchdown, which is frequently, I think about Scott <laughs> Pianowski and when we did those off-season um, fantasy team previews and Scott's write-up on Tyler Higby, I thought was so perfectly succinct. He said it's going to be hard after his run in December, despite the sample size not being particularly large, it's going to be hard to, quote, put that genie back in the bottle. And he was spot on. That's every I, th- I think like that Scott hit that because once you know what a player can do, and I mean, Jordan, Ever- I'm sorry, Gerald Everett wasn't 100% healthy, but he was on the field. I mean, Higby has got to He's never be 100% it, right? healthy. Right. That's a good point, too. So I think Higby's got to be it. I mean, he's turning out to be, for those people who took a, a risk in those, you know, middle-ish type rounds, he's paying off so far. Yeah, and I mean, I think we're so stupid in fantasy football sometimes. Like, we try too hard with this stuff. Like, for the most part, when teams are winning and players are doing good things while the team is winning, which while Tyler Higby was, you know, a big factor in the latter half of last season, that's when the Rams sort of started to find themselves a little bit like it, not for nothing. They would have been a playoff team had the, this year's rules been in effect last year. So they were a decent squad last year. They're not just going to be like, okay, well, Tyler Higby, we're just going to take him out of the mix because we like Gerald Everett, whatever. Like that's not how teams think. That's like, frankly, I had to sort of be introspective about that with, I, at some points in the offseason, I thought about like, well, maybe I should maybe you should fade Cooper Cup because he doesn't really fit as, you know, if they move to more of a 12 personnel. Like that's not teams don't think that way. Like they're not just going to suddenly take Cooper Cup off the field, just like they're not suddenly going to take Tyler Higby off the field. And, you know, like I said, this offense right now looks really good. Like Van Jefferson, again, you know, OK, in this game, four catches, 45 yards, like he's a factor in this offense. And Jared Goff looks comfortable again behind an offensive line that's not one of the worst in the league. And they're creating Mm -hmm. opportunities for Robert Woods as a rusher and in the screen game. Like right now, I really, really like what I've seen out of the Rams offense over the first two weeks. Miles Sanders made his 2020 debut today. Um, 20 carries, seven targets, over 130 total yards. You got to be happy with what he did, right? Yeah. I mean, this is it's been a tough scene all pretty much all summer for the people who insisted that, you know, Doug Peterson wants really how like he's got to run a committee. He's a committee guy. Sanders like they they were going back and back and back to him, even when it wasn't, you know, super fruitful. They continued to feed him. And by the end of the game, 4.8 yards per carry, like we said, scores the touchdown, seven targets. It's all there for Sanders. Uh, I think he's firmly established as their feature back and will likely be one of the 10 or 12 best backs in fantasy this year as long as he stays healthy. And if something changes, then you tweak and pivot. And that is the way that fantasy football is played. And that's the way that NFL football is played. Though people who drafted Zach Ertz might be a little bit concerned because it looked like Goddard and Ertz, and this is something I feel like you warned about over the summer, might cannibalize each other or cancel each other out. They combined for nine catches and 72 yards. Obviously, you would prefer that production to go to just one player. I, frankly, I... I I think you'd be all right with this setup if Carson Wentz wasn't playing so bad. You know, like for the second straight week, I I thought Wentz played poorly. Five point six yards per attempt today, two interceptions. He gets in on the ground, or I know he doesn't. He doesn't score. Oh, he does. Yeah, he does score a rushing touchdown. So that might mm-hmm. make his fantasy day look a little bit better. But I mean, just not a, not a great start for Wentz this season. I mean, we know. He's sort. I mean, he's. I think that Wentz is obviously a really good quarterback, of course, but he certainly misses some layups, and 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 that happens. So, I think he'd be okay with these two tight ends being the feature of this passing game if he was playing a little bit better. And and we know he's a good quarterback, so he's likely going to uh, bounce back at some point. Carolina at Tampa Bay. 
Christian McCaffrey headed for an MRI after an, an ankle injury knocked him out of the game. He had 59 yards and 18 carries before he left the game, but he came back and scored twice. So I'm going to assume until we get MRI results as the heartbeat of this offense that he is fine. Yeah, um, they didn't let him speak to the media after the game, which is, you know, not surprising considering um, that, you know, there's the that he's getting an MRI. This offense uh, has been almost exactly what I expected so far, which is just filled with yards, but not a very productive unit. Um, And I think the bigger story is like their defense is so bad that I I don't really know what to take away from Tampa Bay uh, in this game because they certainly like. The numbers for Brady aren't great, 217 yards, uh, one touchdown, one pick. But, man, you know, Scotty Miller, some of these other players, LaShawn McCoy even, like, left a lot of plays on the field uh, for Tom Brady in this one. So I, I kind of come out of this – I come out of this game feeling overall, like, I think the bigger story for the from the Bucks week one uh, slip-up was, you know, ha- had a lot more to do with had a lot more to do with how good the Saints defense is and not like how lost in the wind uh, Tom Brady is at this point. Interesting. Well, we talked about the backfield and Ronald Jones and how his fumble satisfied me. Uh, I, like, I don't <laughs> want to have this conversation because I find it really tiresome, but I know that we have to have this conversation. So is Leonard Fournette the RB1? He had 103 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, plus four catches, which I think is the most telling part. But, you know, you were talking about LaShawn McCoy being involved. The broadcaster said he, quote, set the edge, right? Like, um, <laughs> there was no Chris Godwin in this effort. Um, I, I think that Tampa Bay has all of the tools necessary to be a winning team, but I am actually a little surprised that they didn't do it more mightily given the matchup. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I I get that. And um, I do think that Fournette is, I mean, look, I'm going to rank him higher going into week three because, sure, yeah, but like I have, I still think that, I still think the team isn't going to totally go away from Ronald Jones. And I think McCoy is, you know, he's going to have some sort of role. I really feel pretty good about the fact that I don't have much emotionally or fantasy wise invested in this uh, backfield. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to feel like I need to care that much about it, to be honest. There's just, there's a lot going on. And I think we can't get a clear picture without, well, here, you know what? Here's a clear picture. Gronk did nothing. Can we be done with that conversation? Liz, you might be uh, as good of a football player right now as Gronk is. I mean, I don't know. This is, this is a tough. This is tough to watch for Gronk. I mean, he was he was out there a ton. He played a, a decent amount of snaps today, but he's blocking a lot. You know, uh, OJ Howard is like, you know, he didn't have a big game in, in this spot, but he's obviously more involved. I just, yeah, I mean, t- tough, tough break if you drafted Gronk. I, I did, I did like to see that Mike Evans and Tom Brady like look had some Mike Evans. Right. Mike Evans, yeah. is, I wasn't really worried about this to begin with, but I think this is some like a narrative that we can safely put to bed that mm-hmm. like, oh, Tom Brady and Mike Evans, it's an oil and water sort of style of play. Obviously, I think Chris Godwin's going to be the favored receiver of these two, but I think after seeing Mike Evans really get going, and he's such a better player than Panthers cornerback Dante Jackson, like we expected Mike Evans to really get rolling in this matchup, but he's healthy. The connection between him and Brady seems fine. I think that is a narrative that we can safely put to bed. Agree with that. Um, The San Francisco 49ers had perhaps the most bad luck this week, although they they were playing against the Jets, who also had a fair share of bad fortune. Um, Let's start with San Francisco. So Raheem Mostert, Nick Bosa, Jimmy G, all hurt. It looks to be an MCL injury for Mostert, an ankle injury for Jimmy G, and a torn ACL for Nick Bosa. Yeah, Solomon Thomas also from that front seven tore his ACL in this one too. So, I mean, San Francisco had a lot of bad injury luck and went to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, I don't think they're going to be that type of team this year. They're stacking problem on problem on problem right now, which is a bummer too because I think Tevin Coleman also was hurt in this spot as well. Uh, He wasn't really playing well, but I mean, we could be looking at Jarek McKinnon uh, next week as like the guy for the San Francisco 49ers. And, And McKinnon scored, had a big play in this one too. 
Yeah, it's, it's just tough. It's just tough for the 49ers right now. There's just so it's just at some point you got to think like when is 2020 just a washed year for them? Like it's it's just it's it's a wrap. It's not going to happen because they just have. So, I mean, how many how many like they're almost all of their crucial players have at some point been hurt or are currently hurt? Like Richard Sherman, Nick Bosa, uh, Fred Akella Warner was on. Akella Witherspoon, Fred Warner was on the uh, COVID list for a little while. George Kittle obviously hurt. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Raheem Mostert, Jimmy G. Like that's a lot for one team to to handle. But bro, you got Jarek McKinnon and Jordan Reed out there like it's 2015 again. That's so weird. Like what year is it? You know, Jordan Reed. How is it that? How is it that uh, that everybody in the NFL is hurt, but Jordan Reed and Tyler Eifert are scoring touchdowns? Oh, <laughs> That's an excellent point. I do, I do want to just talk about this backfield because I was really trying to, until Coleman got uh, dinged up or whatever, trying to figure out because we know that this offense produces rushing goodness for fantasy right so like if Mostert Mm -hmm. it's a mild MCL but he's not going to play next week and he's got the Giants next week and if people are trying to strategize their waiver wire pickups and I know that Andy and Scott will get into this a lot tomorrow but I think I might prioritize McKinnon I'm just a little bit worried about being bit by Coleman but I think I have to live with that when I look at how thin the position is well, I mean, Tevin Coleman, 14 carries for 12 yards today. Not exactly the most inspiring performance. But, I mean, I think the McKinnon thing is a great point because the coaching staff has – look, this guy – They paid just, him out talk, the wazoo when he was a free agent, remember? He was like the – Yes, Kyle yes. Shanahan reviewed all the tape and was like, this one. And talk about a guy that has had injury after injury yeah. after injury, and they've kept him around in the rotation. Um, I, I I like the call to keep uh, keep McKinnon in your back pocket there. All right, you made a call about Frank Gore and a potential revenge game with Le'Veon I mean, Bell. Well, Michael, he Ryan did a whole lot of nothing, so don't even worry about that. But um, he ran the ball twenty one times, twenty one times for sixty three yards. We doing this? Like we're doing this, right? No, no. I mean, I'm not doing this, but we, the New York Jets, the they, they are doing oh, this. They, they like oh. they are doing this. I mean, Adam Gase, Adam Gase is out there is doing this. Adam Gase is down there, like he's out there, like down twenty four to six, kicking field goals late in the game. I mean, the Jets are they like what are are they even trying? Well, who are they supposed to try with? I mean, they got no Le'Veon Bell. Rashad Perryman leaves. They really set Sam Darnold, their franchise quarterback, which they've complained about not having for a year. They really set this poor guy up for success. Are you kidding me? Chris Hartman? I mean, I'm, ah! I'm oh, done. Yeah. It's, it's, it's over. It's over. Um, I... Uh, I don't. I don't even know what to say. I feel. I feel bad for Sam Darnold, and I feel like I. I can't like. I just I can't believe that they've set him up with this group and then also like they've set him up with this group and now this group has gotten hurt. They've suffered injury after injury after injury. So that now I mean if I'm Sam Darnold, I just, can you just like can you just walk out? Like I, I go like opt out of the season, man. It's, I know it's too late, but still. Like what are you, you're playing with like a sub uh XFL roster right now. You got Chris Hogan signed off the street, like Braxton Berrios. Liz, what is a Braxton Berrios? <laughs> So he's a number two receiver for the New York Jets, apparently. Like the, uh, at one point watching the game today, uh, I heard one of the announcers say like, Josh Malone, he's a guy that can bring speed to the table for this Jets offense. But, what? Josh Malone, <laughs> number, one, number one on the team, number two in the league. Like what? <laughs> what? Like just forget it. It's over. There's nothing. There's, there's, yeah. I, I can't imagine uh, rostering a New York Jets player in fantasy, and I could not imagine like even considering. I don't care. They could give Frank Gore fifty carries, and I'm not playing. I'm not playing a single one of these goofballs in, in in a roster. Oh my god! I know how sad you were that Jamison Crowder couldn't make his way to the field today. So we're gonna move on um, and talk about <laughs> Drew Locke. Hi. Yeah, Drew. We're gonna just. Take a little bit of a moment. I'm going to take a breath and tell you that he had to leave this game early. He's probably going to be out at least two weeks, maybe up to six weeks with a shoulder injury. 
There was a point. I just want to make this. Everyone should know that there was a point on Sunday when Joe Burrow was the only Cincinnati Bengals quarterback not playing. Because it's Jeff Driscoll season, baby. That's because Andy Dalton came in for Dak Prescott on a series earlier. But um, yeah, so that's gross. And then Cortland Sutton left the game after getting hurt again. And um, no Philip Lindsay. And here we are. Uh, really was not ready for Jeff Driscoll season. Uh, not this early. I don't think not, John not- Elway was either, friend. Don't worry. <laughs> Not, not like this. I feel like the Broncos, you know, sort of went out of their way not to acquire a more competent backup simply to not, you know, mess with Drew Locke's psyche, which I, you know, I can kind of understand that. Like, you know, you would see a couple of bad, like, press clippings from Drew Locke in training camp or something, and it'd be like, oh, when are we throwing Andy Dalton out there or whatever, just a rant just because you just brought him up. Uh, but this is the price you pay. Then Drew Lock gets hurt, and now you're you know your seasons, it's 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 in the it's in the already. Give me a break. I mean, there's no way that this offense can be competent, which is unfortunate because I know Cortland Sutton's hurt, but we like Cortland Sutton. Jerry Judy, he was banged up a little bit today. Like Noah Fant looks like a monster. You know, this guy looks like Absolutely. he's the next gr- great tight end in the NFL. And like Melvin Gordon's playing some okay football for the Broncos. So now it's just a shame. I, I my confidence level in this offense or, or or projecting them is just completely gone out the window here but i but i do think that a change in quarterback if there were going to be two players slash positions that were the least affected by the downgrade from lock to driscoll it's going to be fant and it's going to be melvin gordon because of his work and usage and ability to check down to in the passing game so as long as philip Lindsay is out which is going to be at least through next week um then i do think that those two players remain serviceable for fantasy purposes regardless of the of the change at quarterback for sure i would agree with that all right so all week we speculated as to whether or not you know uh, tomlin said he was going to leave the light on for james connor to play (laughs) And you know, like, it, what's so weird is there were all of these Motel Six references, and the first thing I thought about was Maggie Rogers and one of my favorite songs. It was like on my playlist all last fall. But like, there was no. It, it, it's, it's okay. It, to Andy's credit, I mean, he was like, "Listen, Mike Tomlin seems to really like one guy. I'm guessing if Connor's healthy, he's gonna be the guy." And there were moments, right? I love me a Snell nug, no doubt about it. He looked leaner, he looked different, but it was not enough to eclipse Connor, who remains. And I've started Connor everywhere, so I'm pleased with that. But Connor remains the RB one. He had 16 rushes for 116 yards and a touchdown. Plus, he caught two balls for another 15 yards. Are we putting to bed at least temporarily while he's healthy? This debate. Yep, I think you know you you can feel really good. Look, I mean you're going to be bummed that you didn't play if you didn't play him today, but whatever. Now you know like okay, cool. I'm I'm I've got a pretty secure running back too, which is exactly what you drafted. We got to remember that AJ Bouye, uh, the cornerback for the Broncos was out already in this one. Deontay Johnson had himself a big week, caught eight balls for 92 and a touch. That means he has garnered 23 targets over his last two games. People thought he looked a little bit sloppy. And like last week, he did, you know, seem a little bit out of sync for the first half of the game and then found his mojo. So any of the hype on the Deontay Johnson train over the summer does seem to be spot on. Yeah, no, for sure. A good player. And again, you can get all up uh, in your feelings about some of the mistakes he's made over the last two weeks, especially more so in week one. But the Steelers appear not to care, <laughs> you know, and Ben Roethlisberger appears not to care because he's led the team in targets two weeks in a row uh, and has been, you know, way ahead of James Washington in terms of snaps, route run, routes, run, whatever. And same with Chase Claypool, who had himself a big play in this one, too. But Juju Smith-Schuster has not been as lucky, or at least he wasn't in this week. Only seven catches for 48 yards. Are you concerned, or you know, is this just a week in the roller coaster slash carousel experience that is the NFL? I think it's just one of those weeks, yeah. and you know, eight targets. I feel pretty good about that. And Ben certainly was not as sharp today uh, as he was in the you know quarters two to four of uh, week of one. the opener. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Jacksonville at Tennessee. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this game was really head scratching to me at times. No AJ Brown. No problem for Ryan Tannehill, though. Uh, 239 yards and four touchdowns. 
Corey Davis, who we talked a lot about during Fantasy Football Live and after his big showing in week one, certainly he found the end zone. So that was great. But I think the biggest beneficiary appeared to be Jonu Smith. Only five targets. We know that this is a low-volume passing office, but 84 yards and two touchdowns. Andy and I talked about on Thursday slash Friday how we're not quite sure there's going to be enough passing work to support, to fully regularly support two pass catchers, a tight end and a receiver, etc. But with Brown out, like at least this week, it seemed that Smith got the best of it. Yeah, if you played Corey Davis, like he still found the end zone, which is great. Adam Humphreys also snuck his way into the box as well. But yeah, I mean, I think just the fact that the Titans passing game is having these other players emerge. And even Derrick Henry is like catching a few balls here, there, here and there too, which is nice to see. Um, I think that's great news, even if you have A.J. Brown. Like we never expected A.J. Brown to be a 120, 130 target player, you're hoping that he's going to be hyper-efficient when he does get back. And I think the fact we have a quarterback here throwing four touchdowns on a low amount of attempts and ten at 10 yards per pass attempt, that's good news. I think the fact that there are, are other players emerging in this passing game is only going to help create more scoring opportunities, which is really what you're banking on if you're playing any of these Titans guys anyways, because as you mentioned, they're never going to be one of the most high-volume high passing teams in the league. Gardner Minshew threw not just one pick, but two. That was surprising because he had been really clean um, up until this point, but he managed 339 yards and three scores you know, DJ Chark did not find the end zone, but gosh, is he efficient. Only four targets, did the most he could with them, caught all of them, 84 yards. Keelan Cole, yet, yet again, is is trolling me. He's from, back. Um, he's back, yeah. Um, but I think of all of them, I mean, you mentioned Tyler Eifert, who finds the end zone. Hooray, hooray, that's great. But I think of all of these, the biggest story for fantasy remains James Robinson, who started week one, looked good and continued to produce 102 and a touch on the ground. Plus, he caught three of four for another 18 through the air. I mean, if the Jaguars were intending on tanking, uh, they forgot to tell uh. all of their young offensive players because Minshew has six touch, three touchdowns in back-to-back games. James Robinson, you mentioned it. Jaguars running backs right now uh, have carried the ball 34 times this year. James Robinson has 32 of those carries. He got Love a little it. bit involved in the passing game. Great to see. You know, LaVisca Chenault has added 47 uh, yards on the ground in addition to 72 yards through the air. Uh, DJ Chark has caught all of his targets this season. In. Keelan Cole is back. Like this offense. Yeah, I mean, back, back in the right, back in the back in terms of that. Like he's not, you know, puking all over himself. Like we're not going to say that he's he's going to be a star or anything. But this offense has players on it, and Minshew looks really good and in command of this entire thing. Um, yeah, I think actually it's going to be a pretty in- interesting game to watch on Thursday night between them and the Miami Dolphins. Detroit at Green Bay. And this is kind of an ugly game. I mean, Devontae Adams should have gone off, uh, but he had, I believe, a rolled ankle at the beginning and then a, a aggravated his hamstring a little bit. I am going to go out there and say I'm not a doctor. I didn't read the ports, but I'm imagining if the game had uh, not been so easily put away by Green Bay, if it if Detroit had fought back a little more effectively, then Devontae Adams probably would have been back on the field, but they didn't really need him. And Aaron Jones completely went off. So keep an eye, obviously, on the injury reports regarding Devontae Adams, but I'm fully expecting, and I'm on wide receivers in, for Fearless Forecast this week, fully expecting him to find the field and, and play all of the uh, required and perceived snaps in week three. Yeah, I think what was really cool was that, you know, Rodgers goes out and has this big game without Devontae Adams being the center of the universe Mm -hmm. of the passing game. And I think that just goes to show you, like, I think this Aaron Rodgers rebound, bounce back, uh, revenge tour, whatever the hell he's going on. Like, I think there I legit buy into the narrative that he is like he is he's been sparked, you know, like and that and that he is. He's on a mission, I I think. I think something has, like, there has been an awakening inside of Aaron Rodgers. And, like, he's recapturing some prime that people, you know, myself included, thought he was slipping out of. Well, I mean, I think it's going to be fun in week three because he's at New Orleans. 
So that'll be an interesting, an interesting test. That's the Sunday night game next week. Um, so obviously, like I said, Aaron Jones was huge. Um, rushed for 168 yards and two touchdowns, caught four of eight targets for another 68 and another score. He's fine. Like the production for Aaron Jones is fine. I'm sure he get, was given a boost because um, Devontae Adams was on the sideline. The rest of the receiving core remains a little bit of a mystery. And I think you've made this point before. Um, that's just going to be the way it is. Right. And I think this, like I said, the fact that Rodgers is sort of getting back to elevating those guys, I think, is is what's exciting. Mm-hmm. All right. Detroit continues to split the backfield between Peterson, Swift, and Carrion. Do not want is the no. attitude I have no. about it. I thought maybe Peterson could be a decent flex, and he did have his moments, but it was Carrion Johnson who found the end zone. And I don't, I am, um, what is your, th- what are your thoughts on Matt Stafford moving forward? Because obviously Kenny Galladay wasn't in this one, but how do you think he looks? I want to hear your opinion before I offer up mine. <sighs> Little hit or miss so far. Um, I definitely think the fact that Galladay hasn't been out there is problematic because, you know, then I think it's, it's kind of a bunch of jags. Like, I think Marvin Jones is is kind of a jag. Uh, I think the rest of the receiver core is nothing to write home about. Um, and, and I think TJ Hawkinson's a good player, but, you know, I don't know that he's established himself as like a stud yet. So, yeah, I, I think that he's he's working with a very thin margin for error even if i don't think he's consistently looked awesome so far this year yeah i, I just i feel like he, he is playing a little defeatedly already um oh, and you're that. seeing you know like i hate to say that and I, I know that sounds um very armchair psychologist but they're just and i don't know if he's like oh can we just get the guy that is like my number one back out here but i don't want to say i don't i don't know i i, I want i want to just want to see him play a little bit more creatively or angrily, but you don't know what's going on. It just seems a little bit, there's a little bit of resignation to his game already. And it's week two. And that's just not a look that you want to feel from the Detroit lions because it's so obvious. It's so basic. Yeah. I hear, I know. I hear what you're saying. All right. Well, um, if you want to talk about basic though, Matt Stafford is trying or succeeding, I should say, a whole hell of a lot more than Kirk Cousins. Oh God. <laughs> what a nightmare. I mean, Oof. the Vikings might the Vikings might be bad. They maybe they might they they might be bad. Um it's sort of problematic when you trade away one of the best receivers in the NFL and you don't have much to replace him with. Sort of problematic. I, I think that that's it, right? Like Adam Thielen caught three balls. That's it. Yeah. Their rookie first round pick never made, you know, much of an impact in camp. Um, they're rolling out. He was on the COVID list. He missed time. Yeah. They're rolling out BC Johnson as their number two receiver. Irv Smith hasn't taken that next step yet. Their offensive line has, it's a decent unit, whatever, but like their, their defense isn't rushing the passer. Well, they're certainly not covering well. Um, that is, not great when you want to be this establish the run type team. Yeah. Um it it is it was horrific and the Colts certainly had their problems chief among them being Paris Campbell leaving with a knee injury. Um it looks like he may have avoided a torn ACL though there are other rumors saying that he's done for the year regardless he's going to miss significant time and that's so disappointing because he was yeah. He looked so good in week one. And also remember last year, the reason he wasn't on so many radars heading into the season was because he had like a litany of injuries that kept him out for the bulk of 2019. And so to see him lost, I mean, Michael Pittman had some moments. You could tell how strong he was. Zach Pascal found the end zone. T.Y. Hilton dropped a pass in the end zone. The Colts just look messy save save Jonathan Taylor, who I think looks legit. Yeah, Taylor's going to be awesome. And, you know, Naheem Hines wasn't a big factor here, got out-snapped by Jordan Wilkins. That was surprising. Mm. Um, I, I, I want to see how these two backs are used in week three. But I think uh, Taylor, like, they were getting him the ball early. They were getting him the ball often. Uh, I think he had 20 touches in the first half. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you have Jonathan Taylor on your fantasy team, you're feeling pretty good. And uh, just, I mean, the rest of this offense remains a bit of a question mark to me. 
Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about the afternoon games on Sunday. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the Washington football team um, at Arizona. And I really was disappointed in Washington. Like, I guess I was a little bit more hopeful. I think the thing that I found the most disappointing was that every time I looked up, Logan Thomas was seeing the target. Yeah. So the process was there and he just wasn't able to convert on them. And I do want to talk about him because he was, you know, a, a fairly widely hyped sleeper or streaming option, especially on the heels of Blake Jarwin, you know, not being available to a bunch of managers who had drafted him. Yeah, like you said, he it was there. Nine targets, um, second on the team. And I feel like Dwayne Haskins sort of started to lose confidence in him as the game went on. And, you know, this is a guy that's made plays for Haskins in training camp and in week one. So, you know, that might not that might come back. But Terry McLaurin, you went back to him, you went back to Steven Sims, like the guys that he knows more from the end of last year. And obviously Terry McLaurin, he's got a long history with. Uh, I thought it was encouraging, too, to see Antonio Gibson pop into this game. Uh, one catch for negative three yards, but did lead the backfield in terms of carries and did score a touchdown. Great to see. Um, but, yeah, I do feel like Logan Thomas will probably remain a part of this team, but certainly I think lost a little bit um, a little bit of, of, of traction as the game went on. Yeah, of the shine. But I, I do love, you're right, to bring up a Antonio Gibson, so at least there seems to be some positive momentum from for him. Um, positive momentum continues for Kyler Murray, who every time he runs seems to do it for a gain. He had two rushing touchdowns in this one. Um, oh and God. DeAndre Hopkins continues to defy the skeptics. Sure. Uh, Kyler Murray, I think every time he runs... He looks like he he's pulling off one of those runs that if he try like if it was happening on on a college football team people would look at it and be like no way no way no way could he he couldn't do that in the NFL you know he's not going to pull that off on Sundays not against NFL defenders but guess what folks he's doing it against NFL <laughs> defenders I think I mean he's he's like a legit unbelievable athlete all right um, let's talk about Baltimore at Houston. So the backfield for the Ravens continues to be a carousel of, of sorts. Gus Edwards led the way this Sunday with 10 carries for 73 yards. Mark Ingram with nine for 55 and a touchdown. So anyone who believed in Ingram at least was rewarded with that score. And J.K. Dobbins, who showed up the rookie in week one, had two for 48. But it was big surprise here. Lamar Jackson, who led the team in carries with 16 for 55. Yeah, I think that like um I think I think that this is going to be a tough backfield to to figure out every week and I don't think we're going to get a lot of clarity um at any point. Like I think Ingram's too much of a part of their team identity to ever fully go away, uh but I think Dobbins is too exciting to ever yank him off the field and Gus Edwards is a guy that they seem to want to use to salt the game away. So yeah, good luck trying to figure this out. That's that's uh that's not going to be fun for you. Did you have fun watching David Johnson put up just 34 yards on 11 carries? You know, sometimes Liz, you got to say stuff. You got to say stuff just for the segment, just for the sake of the rundown. <laughs> do you do you have any exposure to David Johnson? And I am very aware of that of that uh, concept that you're talking about. I got nothing about David Johnson. I, what about I Will Fuller? What about Will Fuller, man? Like, what? What? what it was yeah. supposed to be Will Fuller's season. He put up a bagel across the board, and in fact, it was Brandon Cooks who, like, every week it was a or coming into this week was Willie. Won't he? He's hurt. He led the Houston receivers with ninety-five yards on eight targets and five catches. This whole thing was just—I'm really depressed for Houston. You know. Yeah. I mean, I do see that Will Fuller registered a rush attempt for zero yards. So, oh, silver okay. lining. Silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't like watching. I don't like Houston one bit. I mean, they, I do also have to feel for them, though. Like, you ought to see this schedule and be like, what? Why do we have to start against the Chiefs and the Ravens? <laughs> but they had an opportunity against the Chiefs to make good on having been blindsided during the playoffs last year, you know, and it just feels like you can feel the air coming out of the balloon here. Um, I just do want to add that Jordan Aikens, while he did not find the end zone, I'm just telling people to monitor this guy. He was the most efficient pass catcher for the Texans. Seven looks caught all of those balls. 
look, he managed under eight yards per reception, and it was Darren Fells who found the end zone. But I do think that Akins is going to do something once all of these, I don't know if they're kinks or whatever, start to iron out in Houston. And maybe once the schedule eases up a little bit. Yeah, I think that'll be the key. Uh, was that sarcasm in your voice? I couldn't tell. Just a touch of it? No, it was just more of a thing. Like, I don't have much else to say. So I said <laughs> something very, very generic. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know about you, but I did definitely did not see, number one, the Chiefs struggling to beat the Chargers. And number two, Justin Herbert as the teams, as the Chargers starting quarterback in week two. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Tyrod Taylor. Um, apparently, chest he's got to, he was he was but he, he, like apparently he was having chest pains before the game. So like, don't really oh. know what's going on there. Afterwards, Anthony Lynn did say if if he's a hundred percent, he's our starting quarterback, which really isn't saying anything. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm all I know that Anthony Lynn loves this guy. I love Tyrod Taylor, but like, I did too. We're at a point. We're at a point now where I think. Just, just play Herbert. He he did perform really well today. Made one of the one of the dumbest throws I've ever seen. Uh, when he could have just easily walked forward for a first down, but he rockets it, you know, like forty yards in the air and gets picked. But whatever. For the most part, like, hey, here's here's the deal too. Like, if you drafted Chargers in fantasy, I think you kind of want to see. Justin Herbert the rest of the way. 16 carries, 93 yards for my guy Austin Eckler. Four catches. Still came under That's that it. number from FFL this morning. But had 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 a big game all the way across the board. John or Joshua Kelly was still involved with 23 carries. Also caught two for 49. Keenan Allen, nine for uh, seven for 96. Hunter Henry, six for 83. I, I don't like – I mean, I hate it for – Terod Taylor, like I said, but it, this is probably if you drafted these guys in fantasy, this is probably what you want to see the rest of the way. I think seeing the four grabs, four targets, and four grabs for Austin Eckler um, to me was the most relieving, right? Because we know that he's a special player, we know that he has that ability, and there's nothing more frustrating in fantasy to know that there is potential that a player has that is not unlocked because of some of the other pieces. So I agree with your take. What do you have to say about? Uh, the Mahomesian side of things, uh, Sammy Watkins did leave this contest a little bit banged up. I mean, he managed to catch one ball for 11 yards before that. So the roller coaster continues. He starts off really strong, and here we are, not a consistent player. Um, otherwise, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, both have 90-plus yards and a touch. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think because of game flow, you know, didn't yeah. see a lot of work on the ground, only 10 carries. But... Really, really good to see him catch six balls because, you know, we we saw in the opener, we were like, oh, my gosh, just imagine once they start putting him into the passing game, the the opportunities, the potential is limitless. And, you know, some of this was game flow, but now that he's being utilized in that way, you can even um, fathom his ceiling a little bit more. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever think about this game for the Chiefs offense again. You know, like, I don't think I'll, I'll be like, man, oh, geez, I might be a little worried coming into week three because of the Chiefs offense struggling. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers nah. have a good defense, by the way. So, I mean, that's worth talking about, too. Uh, they have good players up front, including, you know, the only Bosa left in the NFL. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm and not Melvin Ingram. the Chiefs coming out of this. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's look ahead to Monday night. We've got the Saints at Vegas. Michael Thomas is out two to four weeks. Uh, Please, let's just make sure that Alvin Kamara stays healthy. Seriously, that's all I care about. Like, don't I don't want to have to sit there and uh, feel dead inside because of another major injury. I'm just hoping we get out of a Sunday night football okay, too. I hear that. I hear that. All right. So what are you working on? I know you're writing a piece that you file on Sunday nights. People should check those out. Check that out either Sunday night or Monday morning. Yeah, uh, late Sunday night if you're up on the West Coast or if you're a weirdo that's uh, up that late on the East Coast, uh, check it out or, or Monday morning. It's just the five things I care about and five things I don't care about from week one. Uh, got some got some spicy bits about some of the things we talked about already, but it will be the, the lead will, of course, be from Sunday Night Football. So we'll see what happens. All right. Stay up late to read Matt's 10 things. 
podcasts, something we also have. We got lots of podcasts at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. One more thanks to Planters. Andy and Scott will be back tomorrow morning to talk pickups. Until then, we're out. Stay safe. I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, where our current focus is on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, as well as the 2020 elections. Subscribe and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.